You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides, your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. We are recording episode 38 uh, on September 14th, 2019. Our topic tonight is going to be the first of our episodes regarding Shadowkeep prep. And today it is going to be the first Crota Fire team. I am your host tonight, Mrs. Hyven. I am Elemist. And this is Hyven. And tonight, following in our long line of now guest hosts, we have a new one and we're excited about it. His gamertag is GFD Sith, but we affectionately call him Goldfish. Hi, everybody. So enthusiastic. Welcome, Goldfish. Thank you. He's a man of professionalism, okay? He's a man of a few words, and that's about the tone we'll get from him all night. Long as he does that. We could just, look, episode two, we'll give him a little whiskey. Yeah, right? Exactly. All right, podcast news. As always, we encourage feedback. Find us on Twitter at, um, at guardians underscore lore. Email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Or uh, give us a review on Apple Podcast or Google Podcast slash Google Play. Basically, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we now officially have 10 reviews with another comment, thankfully, actually, to Goldfish here. Um, so... I was excited to see that one. Um, he kind of he kind of felt the same way I feel. We don't have time to read all the lore, so it's nice to have somebody read it to us. Um, yeah, so we're like Destiny audiobooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, also, in addition, uh, we are in the process of joining up with the Lore Network. We've been invited, so that's been new. That's kind of the brainchild of Blue Crew eighty six over from Focus Fire. And we're really excited about that. Um, I know all three of us have kind of been discussing how we're just like, when are they going to realize we don't belong here <laughs> and kick us out? It's definitely an honor uh, to be in there with all the other Destiny content creators. Yes. Especially for yeah. the lore, man. So that's been kind of crazy. Um, additionally, yeah. we've been in talks with Vocal Fire Chat about coming on and hosting again once Shadowkeep drops. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. I think um, Hyven and I have been discussing how um maybe that would be formatted this time i think what we might actually do is i might hop on for top three and then he can hop on for the actual information because you know he's actually knowledgeable and i'm not um additionally because i can probably only hang through top three they record a little too late for but that really all just depends on depends on scheduling i will be out of town for two of the four weeks in october so if i'm not able to be on Look for I can try and hang at a little later. Elemis to not Elemis <laughs> and just type for the whole thing. Yeah, um, I've actually been working on it. Last night I tried to listen to some too, just to a again be a little more knowledgeable and b see how long I could I could last through the night with it. Um, but I do have to say, there's just something about green and blue lulling you to sleep, man. Um, it was it was great bedtime stories. <laughs> Anyways, all right, stuff you may have missed in Destiny. There was Double Infamy Week, which is Triple Infamy during the weekend. Uh, This is also the last week you can earn the Moments of Triumph for this year. So if you haven't already grinded that out. If you're listening to this, it's too late. 
You got a yeah. couple hours if you're listening to this as yeah. soon as it drops. <laughs> Get on and do it now. Uh, anyways, also, this week's TWAB was a patch notes preview. And next week is the final Iron Banana of the season, which means next week I will be playing a lot more just because I really enjoy Iron Banner, you guys. Which is so weird because you're underleveled. Because you're underleveled and you just get, like, shot harder than normal. I don't know. I think it's because regular comp, you don't always get control. Crucible. Yeah, sorry, Crucible, you don't always get control. And I feel like if I'm not trying to control zones, like, I I just don't know what I'm doing, like, if there's not a second objective. Like, the second objective helps me get killed less. You know, Bungie agrees with you. Well, it, it helps you. Oh, my God. Bungie and I are just destined to be BFFs. I I'll tell you why, but let Elmist get in on that. Well, so, like, having that, that objective helps give you a purpose on the team. Yeah, for sure. And the reason Bungie agrees with you is because when Shadowkeep drops, they are changing up matchmaking. Um, now, quick play will be called Classic Mix. It's going to have Clash Control and Supremacy. However, there will be the Always There playlist of Control just by itself. Because they know it's a good entry level for new guardians. I knew Bungie understood me like that. We don't have a lot about the top TWAB, but I wanted to just comment on a couple of things. Is We're getting a lot of changes to the weapon system. Not the system, but two of our weapons, which I think are really, really nice. Uh, the biggest one that affects everyone is weapon mods are going to be a permanent thing. They are not trashed. They're reusable. They're just going to be just like the armor system. Any mod that you have in your inventory, it's just going to become permanent, and you can slot it into as many guns as you want. They said, however, if you have it in a gun, it does not work like that. You'll have to unlock it again. So uh, don't break down or insert your mods at this point. Leave them in your inventory, and then you'll just have one of all the mods you have unlocked, and you can put it in all your weapons as many times as you want. How about you, almost? Yeah, essentially it's like the way that they're doing mods now, it's essentially mods 3.0. (laughs) <laughs> you unlock or you, you get the mod for the first time and it's unlocked universally on your account yep it'll be sweet and then just for weapons they basically buffed almost everything for pve which is cool so go ahead and read the twab if you have a favorite weapon um, a lot of exotics got buffed um look for crimson i'm gonna guess in the crucible because uh, that buff looked kind of nasty uh sunshot Sunshot's only going to have ammo. It's still going to be as inconsistent as ever. But I do love Sunshot. It's just not so great. But this was a patch notes preview. It it wasn't going to spoil everything. I don't think it's... Maybe it'll get fixed with the buff to all hand cannons, which 140s and 150s are going to be more accurate. Um, Currently, while you can fire them as fast as RPM says, the recoil doesn't actually settle, even though it might look like it. Um, So that's lovingly considered bloom they are nerfing bloom for those archetypes they're also nerfing the damage fall off so uh damage fall off is more aggressive you don't do as much damage as far away but that's the i would totally choose consistency over range and um to be honest every weapon except for scout rifles got damn more damage fall off in order to try to make scout rifles a little bit more useful which i think is cool because i used to really like scout rifles yeah i agree with that and then also, the only other one thing, like, archetype change would be pulse rifles, the fastest and the slowest firing, both getting a buff. So, so what I'm hearing is Season of the Redricks. Yeah, Redricks, or also uh, 
was it Claws of the Wolf? It's going to be Clever Dragon all over again from D1. You remember Clever Dragon, Goldfish? Uh, yeah. That pulse rifle that everyone used from Iron Banner in Destiny 1? Yeah. Uh, there was another one that was like, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen again. We'll see. But that's all. Uh, I really wanted to just give a brief overview on some of the excitement. A lot of exotic changes, some weapon tuning. I think it's really going to help the Crucible for me. And also PvE. Why? A lot of damage. Thank you, Sniper Buff and PvE. I'm also, I am actually excited to get to our next section. I'm not going to oh. lie. I'm pretty pumped about it. I did have to tell you, Graviton Lance is getting a PvE buff. Your favorite weapon. You that, honey. Oh, okay. Well, congratulations on your <laughs> child graduating. I don't know. Right? I'm not having kids. The puppies and the Graviton Lance are all I care about in life. <laughs> and and you. And you, it, obviously. <laughs> love how Whew. the husband was an afterthought there. I, Saved myself there. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But no, guys, I'm super excited to get to this next section because we've got a listener Q&A. Um, it's from our good old friend, Joey Controla, who, again, I'm just loving getting to know him more just in little bits through his tweets and, and chats every once in a while. In fact, Twitter, I guess now because I chit-chatted with him for a bit a couple weeks ago, is now like, hey, BT Dubs, Joey tweeted this, like, just in case you missed it. So I've just, like, been seeing more about his life lately, and that's just been fun. I actually um, want to Joey, comment on, I think, like it was, a fun person. I think it was Joey who had an Invader Zim reference on twitter so that was awesome me and goldfish love some invader zim i just watched the netflix movie today that was just a random shout out to joey um all right so we have a podcast question and i'm actually really excited about this question you guys it's a question about a little bit more of us personally and i'm excited about this because it's actually kind of a cool setup to something we've been discussing as a podcast um, we've been talking about how we want to handle our 50th episode. We're about 12 episodes away. Um, I think we actually have our next like four to six episodes lined up. So we're actually already with our lineup about close to it. And, um, and Joey didn't even know this. It lines it up perfectly. What we've been discussing doing for our 50th episode is a get to know your host episode. Um, we want you guys to send us questions, things that you're just like, you seem ridiculous about X, Y, and Z. Tell me why, or what's your what's your favorite this, or hey, what are your dog breeds? Plot twist, they're rat terriers, so you don't even need to ask me that. I know, I just, <laughs> but anyway, stuff like that, you know. Um, did you have a pet growing up? What was their name? Silly questions. Anything that pops in your mind that you want to know about us? Obviously, within reason. Don't ask anything too weird. I mean, ask it. We'll be the judge if it's too weird. <laughs> we're, we're we're working on this. We used to, it's. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll have so more information. So Joey perfectly uh, gives us some example questions here. And we're going to go ahead and answer them. Um, Goldfish is also going to answer them with us. So you can get to know him a little bit better. Uh, fun fact about Goldfish, actually. Probably should have even said this in his intro. Goldfish was the best man at our wedding. So we like Goldfish. Um, all right. So our first question, and we're going to go ahead. There's three questions here. We're going to do them. One at a time, and I'll answer them in order. So I'm going to throw it to Elemis first with the first question of what music do you listen to when you want to relax? Alternative rock. Um, All right. Cool. Well, and, and so like, <laughs> I was going to be like, <laughs> next. <laughs> well, and, and so like, I, I guess, I guess it depends no on like how I want to relax. If, if I want to relax but still be somewhat engaged, alternative rock. But if I want to be relaxed and just mellow out, 
classic rock. I really like that answer. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. It was just like this type of rock or this type of rock. But there is not no rock. It's all exactly. rock. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. And Hyven, what about you? Oh, me? Um, so I knew that this was a question, but I didn't think about it too much. because You I also knew the order. Distracted. I don't know why you were shocked about that either. How did I know the order? Is that somewhere? <laughs> I discussed earlier we were going in the order of casting. Oh, I was messing up. with my settings and things. Sorry. Anyway. <clears throat> Um, That's the problem with having two monitors now. I warned her that I was under the table, like under the desk wiring things, and, you know, she still tried to talk to me. Whatever, I also warned you about this question. (laughs) Yeah, I know. In my head, I thought I was putting it off. Well, I was, but we weren't. All right, anyway, um, I would have to say um, I listen to a lot of things just on shuffle for my Pandora, but something I always go into is um, some type of electronic Various types of like, you know, you can call it techno, you can call it trance, electronic. Um, I listen to, you know, there's so many different types in that genre. I like to listen to things a little bit more calm. And uh, it just, I don't know, like a, like a Black Mill, Triphonic, uh, Seven Lions, stuff like that, if that means anything to anyone. But yeah, I like to listen to some of the calmer electronic. There you go. All right. <laughs> So um, for me, I have found that Frank Sinatra Radio, we were actually at my brother-in-law's house almost two years ago now, and I have a lot of anxiety issues, and he just happened to turn it on shuffle with Pandora, and I realized how calming it was for me, Um, and it's kind of become my go-to, so I'll just, you know, she'll, she'll hear me, but I'll tell Alexa to turn on Frank Sinatra Radio. We're good. She didn't hear me, you guys. Uh, and so it'll kind of just give me obviously Frank Sinatra but I really have fallen in love with specifically um Etta James, Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday just all of that um I, I think it's also just that time period that all the music comes from it's just a different time it kind of takes me to to some more like relaxing era what are you about to say it takes me back I was like oh yeah <laughs> miss 24, <laughs> 24 year years um but no and also weirdly in the same vein of relaxing, um, Dolly Parton lately has become a thing. The Frank Sinatra has been like consistent, like I said, for about two years now. But Dolly Parton started to just become a thing that I would tell, again, Alexa to play. And <laughs> I'm in the same room as her. And um, after Kona actually had her spay surgery, um, I was listening to it. And I found that it was also very calming for them. So now during like thunderstorms and fireworks, that's typically what I turn on because it helps the girlies just kind of chill out and fall asleep. Um, so I guess that's also more of what music do we listen to to make the dogs relax? Not me. But, uh, but Man, that's my that answer for that. Winded. Look, some of us prepped for this. Okay, <laughs> You were supposed to have one answer. I didn't know that I was supposed to present a, a five paragraph essay. Goldfish, what about you? What is relaxing music for you? Uh, like Elena said, it also depends like what kind of relaxing I need to do. For the most part, it's usually like reggae, like Revolution and Stick Figure and Ballyhoo a little bit. But and also, if I really need to relax, then I'll go to like Alt J. A couple other songs are like really nice. All right, sounds good. All right, so Elena's back to you. Top three bands and or songs. Uh, Breaking Benjamin, Linkin Park, Papa Roach. 
And you know what? Three doors down. <laughs> Predictable. Why is there so much laughter? Is this like, I don't know, the first two made me think like, oh, yeah, 90s. I don't, I don't know what Papa Roach is. Because we, me, Goldfish, and Elvis could probably all use those as like. Oh, top three. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, hun, what you got? I was going to have to say, actually, well, I, I didn't think about all these, but honestly, I was going to say, I can't not say Linkin Park. That's kind of what I just grew up listening to. Um, even that's not what I do all the time now. Can't go wrong with that. Um, Ballyhoo, that is one of my favorite, as Goldfish said, uh, like reggae rock, ska kind of artists. There's a lot of good ones there. And, um, you know, for my third, it's hard to choose. But I definitely have to love some of the first couple albums for Cruella. You already, you guys already know that. Um, but also have to do some like Black Mill and Trifonic. Those are those are very similar fields, but those are probably my favorite. I know that was more than three, but. <laughs> and then I have some completely different genres that I really really like. But you know, you asked for three, and I gave you four. So, Elmas gave you four though, I think. So I think it's only fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even All know right. if those are my favorite, but, you know, it's something that I like to listen to. They were the first four that came into my mind. <laughs> In the same vein for me, just kind of what I grew up listening to, for me, um, Alan Jackson's a big one. I My music taste and my husband's music taste differ greatly. I like every genre except for country and sh- and pop. Like, and pop I like music and country music, and she loves country and pop music. So Yeah, and I like... I'm. I can stand every genre, but I prefer country and pop. Um, so, I mean, like, artist-wise, like, I, I really like a lot of ones I grew up with, you know, kind of Alan Jackson, Tim McGraw, Garth Brooks, Vince Gill, like, just kind of more like the 90s genre of country, um, just because that is what I grew up on. Um, but more specifically, there's two songs that I wrote down for this, and they're very odd in the sense that both of them kind of remind me of, like, just kind of how much I love Hyven. Um, and, and that's why songs are a big thing for me because I do feel them very like strongly emotionally. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I gravitated towards country so much. Um, but both by Brad Paisley, Whiskey Lullaby, and then, um, Whiskey Lullaby, cause it's something that Hyven and I listened to both early on in our relationship. And we both kind of agreed that it made us realize like where you could be without love. And it was sweet to me. And then, then um, that was our first dance song at our wedding. And I just, I don't know. I still really Aww. like it. Because I still, every day, kind of love you more. And cheesy stuff like that. Aww. <laughs> that goldfish, let's ruin this. Yeah, uh, let's ruin the sweet <laughs> moment. Give yeah. me your 90s punk rock, alternative rock stuff. Well, me and Elmas listen to like almost the same stuff, apparently. <laughs> Park's obviously on there, and I love Breaking Benjamin. Uh, I also love Ballyhoo, and if I'm going to add a fourth one, I want to throw in Revolution just to be safe. Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. So last but not least, the question is our guilty pleasure song or songs. So for me, uh, it's show tunes. Um, So like everything comes down to poo. Yes. Yes! Oh my god, yes! I cannot listen to that and stay in a bad mood. For real. The other day I was just saying something to somebody, I don't remember what they were talking about, but they were talking about medical tests and like how they just test blood for everything. And I was like, no, y'all, 
Everything comes down to poo. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Elmas and I are best friends. Right. All right, Hyven, what you got? Um, I don't think I have a guilty pleasure song, um, but oddly enough, which is why this question is so awkward for me, is I'm a, as a weird introvert, I don't actually like to share my music taste, so almost all of my music would be considered a guilty, guilty pleasure uh, because I don't listen to music when other people can hear it. I only listen to it for myself. So uh, I'm weird like that. I don't like people to, when someone's like, what are you listening to? I just tell them like a podcast or music or he is like really that. weird about it, actually. Yeah. Like, half the time, we still don't listen to music in the car. Because I know we don't listen to the same music, so I just... Yeah, but know. sometimes it works out beautifully. A couple weeks ago, we were on a drive, and he said, you. hey, can we at least play my stuff, and then if you want to skip it, like, I'll skip it. Some variety, more, a lot and more variety. And a song came on, and he, as he was about to say, like, hey, I don't want to skip this one. This is my favorite. I was like, why do I know every word to this song? It was and I just started singing everything. And it was the weirdest thing ever. And it was like the best moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so he is kind of weird about sharing his music taste. Um, so for myself, Elemis, Goldfish, Hyven, and pretty much anybody else who's ever been to my house in the past month or two. Is it Moana? Or been on the headset with Hyven <laughs> knows that it is how far I'll go. The Moana soundtrack. <laughs> because that song, it gets me happy and it puts me in my feels at the same time. I don't know if that's a guilty time. pleasure because you scream it to everyone and sing it. <laughs> I just love it. She's got no guilt at least. It's so embarrassing well, no. at the same time. I've never even seen the movie. I was about to ask that. Like, it's a guilty pleasure because she's never seen the movie. Like, I've never even seen the movie, and for some reason this song is, like, the best thing in the world. Like, just talking about it right now, I want Alexa to play it, and I want to scream it, and just, oh, like, oh, I just, yes! Oh, it's okay, she didn't hear, she didn't hear. Um, and then also, <laughs> anything from Billie Eilish right now, or Eilish, or however you say it, I don't know why, but that one, like, if I put that on at work, like, I just get stuff done. But if somebody asks me, I'm just like, oh, I'm just... Just whatever, because like I just feel like she's so popular right now. Everyone's like, you're listening to her, like, and I don't know why everyone's like that about that. Like, just let the girl do her thing. Um, but yeah, that too, that too. But Moana hardcore, y'all. Specifically, how far I'll go. I don't know any of the other songs. I don't even know the full premise of the movie. Like, no, nothing really, nothing. It's it's a good movie. Just that song. It's like I think The Rock maybe steals a necklace from her. And might also be like some kind of sun god, but that's 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 my interpretation of it. Anyways, goldfish, what about you? Guilty pleasure songs. Um, well, I haven't brought out something, so I had to change it. So my guilty pleasure would be uh, Demi Lovato. Sorry, not sorry. Yes. Originally, yes, it was I know song, that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, lonely, I think was Lonely Island, and Nick knows. Oh my god, yes, all the time. Every, a box? Yeah, I sing that every single place I go. All the time. Yeah. Probably I, like the last at least five years. If there's a random I'll lull, sing that for you. Oh, Goldfish yeah. is just, might I get a box? Yeah. I mean, because it's like, it's just a beautifully crafted song. It so gives you all the steps you need. Step one. <laughs> and you know, and it's like you get going. Like when I was in France, I, that's what I sang. I think the best part about this conversation is that last weekend when Goldfish, Sean, and Elemis came over to our house, both Moana and Dick in a Box were both sung at some point. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. I do know my guilty. It's not really guilty, but it would have to be seagulls by bad lip reading. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. By the way, guys, knows that. I screamed it from the room one time. Not even. I lightly said it, and she knew exactly what we If you haven't looked it up, seagulls, bad lip reading, you will not video be Video makes it better, but once you've seen the video, you can just listen to the song. And... You will not be disappointed. Oh, chicken attack also. <laughs> I went on a rabbit hole looking at my man there. All right. All right. So that was a really fun time. Send us more questions. Like we said, we want to do a whole episode of this. This is um, Ivan's bread and butter, if you couldn't tell. Well, I like to get oh, yeah. like right into the lore. She loves this kind of stuff. I so. love this stuff. I do. I do. Um, because look, it also helped us learn that all three of you basically could go on a road trip to California and put it on shuffle, like put your pen, I, any of your music on shuffle and have a blasty blast. Yeah, pretty much. All um, right. Yeah. So if anybody wants to join that road trip, just let us know. Uh, <laughs> brief intro into our topic, you guys. Um, let's see. I've got four bullet points. I'm going to read straight from the bullet points. I'm just going to read through them. And if you guys want to add to that afterwards, because I know nothing, feel free. Here we go. Bullet point number one. Eris Morn. Six of us went down into that pit. I was vain enough to believe we could defeat Crota. Quote. Bullet two. A fire team of six went down into the hell mouth of Luna to kill Crota in retaliation for a slaughter when hundreds of guardians were killed by Crota. Bullet three. The fire team consisted of Erismorn. Duh. Simoda. Probably said that wrong. Nope. You got it right. Score. Veltarlo. Got that right, too. Got that one right, too. Omar Aga. Damn, you're doing it. Nailing it. Ariana 3. Ariana or Ariana? It's normal. Ariana. Hey, get it. And Tolan the Shattered. And in parentheses, we have the pretentious Gleep Hole. I like it. And bullet point number four. This will be a mix of D2 lore tabs and D1 Grimoire cards. So buckle up. We're about to get this done. Maybe. See if we can get through this. Oh, we're getting it done. Also, we don't have any potentially problematic words tonight, but I guarantee you, we're going to find some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will be covering Ghost Fragment Warlock 2. My name is Ariana 3, disciple of the Praxic Warlocks, marked by the Cormorant Seal. We came here under one banner, united in a host of thousands, to claim the moon. But the battle goes against us. I have taken a prisoner, and this is the record of its interrogation. If I transgress in your eyes, I ask for your forgiveness. Sound of current or discharge. Ariana. It responds to pain. It responds to the light. Heard it again. Monster, heed me. Who is your master with the sword? Static event. I can hear it in my head. The sword bearer's name is Crota. Record that. Should I burn it again? No. I think you're only feeding it. I will touch its mind. Ghost, help. They call you wizard. You must be ancient. I think you value power very much. Will you still be powerful without this piece of your mind? Tell me how to kill Crota. Static event. It showed me the battle. It showed me waning dead on Crota's blade. It showed me how Crota killed a guardian with a screaming knife hammered out of his own ghost. So I will take a piece of its mind. 
and ask again, tell me how to kill Crota. Static event. Incredible. Where? Where is his throne? Where is the twilight world under the dead star eye? Ariana, there's word from the company in Mare Embrium. Crota is upon them. Half a hundred dead. They need us. Tell me where. Tell me how. Tell me. Static event. Ariana, what did it say? It showed me how it did this. Just exactly this. To an awoken man. The knives arranged by its will. Like little silver ships. Like ghosts. It laughed at me. It said we were the same. Crota marches with a thousand knights, and they say the sky above Mari Imbrium has turned into green fire. They are dying in numbers I cannot bear to repeat. He kills them one by one with a sword that eats their light. Ariana, we have to do something. Kill the wizard. Scatter the ashes. It has nothing but lies to offer. Get your sparrows. We have light and fury. That will be enough. All right. So here we see the original, I guess you'd say, kind of currents of Crota in modern times by Guardians. Um, also, we see the motivation for Ariana. Um, so at this point, there has been there have been battles on the moon, um, and they see that some entity is fighting them. Um, so Ariana and at least someone here. Some might think that maybe, maybe Eris, maybe that's why they work together so much. Not entirely sure who, but someone else is here, and they're in, basically they're interrogating slash torturing a hive wizard for information, um, and they're doing it with the light. Um, once again, they're able to hurt it with light, uh, and the wizard goes ahead and gives her what she wants. It gives her a vision because they want to know who in the world Crota is, and she shows. Ariana 3 waning dying on Crota's blade, which of course is not something she wants to know and she wants to see, I should say. And that's when she's like, tell me, I want to kill, I need to kill Crota. Once again, showing her that just basically at this moment, you know, tons and tons of guardians are just dying. She's just showing her this through like a vision and then goes ahead and shows her that they're similar because the wizard decides to show her a time where she basically tortured an awoken man in the in a similar way basically and she's really just basically this torture this or i should say this uh, interrogation's kind of going both ways the wizard's kind of getting under ariana's skin also and then it basically it ends with a report that crota the basically the actual fight of marimbrium that crota and all his knights are marching and that the guardians are dying in numbers they they cannot bear to repeat and that is where they just say, we're not getting any information out of this. This is not working. Kill the wizard. Let's move on. And that's when you get that famous line, get your sparrows. We have light and fury. That will be enough. And they try to go and join the battle. Of course, we know it doesn't go well. And that is basically what fuels Ariana to go find Crota and organize the first raid. Yeah. Not much else to talk about there. Yeah, but this is kind of the first introduction that we obviously we did the raid, but this is for the one of the first lore cards that we actually got about Crota, because um, Books of Sorrow actually came about very late. So this is kind of our first reference to to Crota. So it was just kind of like, holy crap, this you know, this dude is 
pretty powerful and he's killing like hundreds of guardians like that's something to not just scoff at yeah you guys got anything else for it um i think what i like about that though is that since books of sorrow came after because you know books of sorrow does kind of paint him as the like misfit kid that's just not as good as his sisters it's kind of funny because before that it was just this big bad raid boss dude and that's how we all knew crota and then books of sorrow came out and we were all i think it was just kind of like oh no this is just him trying to prove himself to daddy oh, and you that? also got to think of it it's basically you know you don't really think hive you don't think about hive like that but the books of sorrow are basically crota is like a child he's a young teenager mm-hmm. At this point, you could say he's he's like a grown adult. He has finally made a name for himself. He's grown. You know, it's like that that little. It's like the you know, it's like Star Wars. It's like little Anakin's just like driving around his, you know, pod racers, and then he's then he's killing children. You know, he he made a lot of progress. <laughs> but it just makes me think that it's like yeah. even now, even as an adult in this raid, at the end of the day, Crota's just trying to get approval from Daddy. Well, at this point, he's actually has to because. Remember, Oryx is getting his tithing and his energy from Crota. And Crota has to do this in order to not die himself. So his job is to feed his worm and then pass it up the food chain. And this is, you know, and actually there is a spot in the Books of Sharo where um, Oryx talks about he can feel Crota's killing. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what it reminds me of. Not necessarily that it was actually this event. But it was something like this, where he is just killing like massive numbers of like when of he individuals. made somebody's ghost into a sword and then killed them with killed it. Killed them with it, yeah. It wasn't crazy, crazy, right? Like that's brutal. Ariana's vengeance. Flavor text. We. I will see you again, but first I have work to do. Ariana three before entering the Hellmouth. To Wei Ning. More than anything, I hate the idea that we will be remembered as a tragedy. That's not true. I reserve the distinction for the monster that took you from me, but I know it's what you would hate the most, you who are always so full of laughter. So now, in this moment, as the ship named for my vengeance flies me and five others to Luna, I will remember the happy times. Our first meeting in the tower saloon, your laugh made the glasses clatter. You bought three rounds for the entire room. Pahanin introduced us. You sat me down next to you and plied me with questions about storm tranches, all things that on any other night would have annoyed me. But that night, because it was you, I knew then and there that I never wanted to be without you. So we see a romance between a titan and a warlock. I feel this on a personal level. (laughs) Yep, and this gets us started. Oh, yeah, Although Whaley has been maining his Titan. Thinking about going back. <clears throat> I was just going to say, the reason this is uh, in here in the beginning is because this has to do with the motivations for Ariana. Yeah. And, like, this is literally just all Ariana's motivation. And she says to see Wayne again. Yes, Sorry, I'm not here to... Um... <laughs> She's I'm... raised her hand. I'm not sure what I'm I not... do. I'm not near anywhere to... Type, I'm eating, so my hands are a little dirty, and God forbid I touch Hyven's surface like that. Um, it says the Tower Saloon. Did the Tower have a bar at some point? Well, there's a ramen shop. Well, yeah, but the saloon is well, not a ramen shop. Well, there's probably like the well, music no, bar and, down in the back. 
the jukebox right. is. This was before the tower blew up in D2. Yeah. This is before. Oh, the I've Red never War. been to the D1 tower. There was a saloon there. Yeah. yeah, there's a jukebox and a saloon kind of downstairs behind some vendors and things. Gotcha. See, this is basement. important information for those yeah, of us basement. who never played the D1 story. Good comment. Good comment indeed. Yeah. Okay, continue. Not much else to say with this one. Oh, all right. I'll be reading Crota's End. My name is Ariana Three, disciple of the Praxic Warlocks, marked by the Cormorant Seal, survivor of the Great Disaster. The day we set out to retake our moon, united in a host of thousands, and found ourselves outmatched by one hive champion of unspeakable power. The monster's name is Crota. He killed my friends face to face, one by one, and he relished it. In the name of all those lost, I devote myself to his utter destruction. This is my confession. If I transgress in your eyes, I ask for your forgiveness. In our world, Crota seemed invincible. Together, Erismorn and I worked the problem, but found no hope. So we sought forbidden knowledge. The exiled master of Hive Arcana. We found Toland. Toland tells us that Crota's presence in our world is a shadow. That its true power resides in another world forged by his will. We must pass through a keyhole between realities, navigate the seething midnight of Crota's world mind, and overthrow the ascendant champions that gather to his throne. Tolan speaks. He hardly seems mad at times. Of the terrible things that await us. A secret song he hungers to learn. And the issue of that song. An ashen burning star husk that looms above. The utter antithesis of life. He talks of it with a curious ambition I do not want to understand. Tomorrow, I will ask Aga, Moda, and Tarlo if they will go with us. If we fail, I leave this record for Guardians to come. Remember us. All right. <laughs> so we see she is a little description about Ariana 3, who she is. Uh, she's a Praxic Warlock. Um... Part of the, the cormorants. Uh, basically, she's recounting the battle of uh, Zamar Imbrium, the uh, fight on the moon. So from our weird, like, trippiness of um, the Book of Sorrows, we discussed that weird concept of Eris Morn being what's-her-face. Because Eris Morn actually, you know, died and blah, blah, blah. Teox. And that's where Eris, yeah, Teox. And, like, that's why she's got that extra, like, eye and all these other weird things. So is this pre-extra eye, Erismorn? Yes. Yeah. I found it also. Okay, cool. That's just... Uh, did she this get the, the des- eye from this? This is the description We'll of, actually cover that. Yeah, this okay, is the cool. first time we ever yeah. met Eris. Before anyone ever met Eris, this is the first references we have of her. And Crota... That's the sun, right? Crota, son of Oryx. Yeah. Okay, Dork cool. He's the one that, like, sliced open the world and created all the Vex issues and was a dumbass. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Just making sure I'm following. <laughs> and then got picked up by his foot and flung. Yes, yes. And then his father was like, ah, crap, I gotta come back and fix crap. Yeah. All right, anyways, babe, you, you take it back. I'm gonna eat some more bagel. 
Yes, I found it. Yes, I am correct. At Mar Imbrium, this is the uh, where a bunch of guardians tried to retake the moon, and well, thousands of guardians were just killed by Crota. Um, along with these guardians were most notably waning, which, as we know, was Ariana's uh, interest. And yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's not explicitly stated, but it's pretty much what it is. And it uh, is I, a different lore tab, but yeah. Yeah, they get the original plan to go down into the Hellmouth and fight Crota. Uh, and unfortunately, they make the mistake of searching who, other than Tolan, the, um, would you call him, the, the one who has the most hive knowledge. Um, but there's a reason he was exiled, because he was obsessed with researching hive and vex. Uh, specifically Hive, and he's a, he's a little mad. Um, although, she specifically states that when Tolan speaks, he hardly seems mad at times. Yeah. But yeah, that's the first person, her and uh, Eris, so it's Ariana 3 and Eris, the first person they go to recruit is Tolan, kind of as their guide as they continue on. Um, and I'll pass that over to Elamist. So, as far as Tolan goes... He's called Tolan the Shattered because he's dived so deep into Hive Arcana that to everybody else he seems mad. Like they they call him Tolan the Shattered because he has a shattered mind, um, but really he's just the Hive expert. Um, now that we have the Dreaming City and we actually see more of Toland. I'm led to believe that he really is just completely nuts. He sounds a little bit of a reef, but he's also gone to some crazy stuff even since then. Um, yeah, if you guys are familiar in D2, that little ball of light in the Ascendant Realm, that is Toland. Um, he used to be, if you didn't, sorry, if you didn't know, he used to be a guardian. And at this point, he is still a guardian. So you can imagine from guardian to ball of psycho light a lot of stuff has happened to him um so it can it can be expected and we'll get into that i will move on to our next card and that is sardon fist of crota the flavor text is one sword stands tallest among them leading the charge against us all well so this sardon is one of those swarm princes Poland. In a stretch of the concept, sure. He is their lord and master. They are his generals. Well, sounds like my kind of fight, Omar. What isn't? Well, Eris and Ariana said the blades rose first and slaughtered our brothers and sisters. If the one who leads their charge is within reach, I mean to end him. To end them all. Eris, we are here for Crota. Poland. I'm afraid each disciple is Crota. Vel, and it must be done. Know that I have faith in your light as I do in my own. Eris, this isn't about faith. Ariana 3, it's about vengeance. Vel, it's about the only thing that matters. Victory, it's about doing what we must to end this terror. Eris, we will face them all together. We have no time to fight individual battles. Poland. I have no doubt the Fist will welcome your challenge, Titan. 
when we face him, you will lead the charge. Come. Crota's temple lies ahead. If we can breach it, I'm sure another fight awaits. They actually have the band together. Uh, like, we literally see Omar, Vel, Eris, Ariana, and Toland all talking. Um, the only one that's missing is Sai. He just might be quiet. But yeah, and it sounds like there are, well, I guess it's actually here. Um, they're already basically on the moon approaching um, because Colin at the end says Crota's temple lies ahead. So this is there in preparation. They're getting ready to go down and start their first raid. See, now I took the, the Crota's temple lies ahead, meaning that, you know, that is our first step. So, like, they're still at the tower at this point, and they're like, Could be. come, this challenge lies ahead. Yeah. For me, this was just, I guess, it was more of a... a they could be in the tower. This is like when you're with your raid team and you're talking about what you're going to get in there to do as you're like flying in or like walking through the introduction to your first encounter. And that's kind of what I just had in my head. Obviously, I think they, they have a different entrance, but it's like, you know, doing the old Crota raid where you're about to form the original bridge to jump down in. Everyone spawns in and we're all just goofing around, yeah. probably teabagging and emoting, getting ready to go. You know how that works, Goldfish. We did mm-hmm. that raid a lot. Yeah, that's that's how I envisioned this start, of course. Like, all were a good raid start. Titan talking about the fight that's up ahead. Yeah, and so that's exciting, because we see the Titan is ready to give it to them. Um, and Toland's kind of like egging them on. Uh, if you know the story, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But uh, we see our Titan being ever the forward push Titan. He's ready to go in there and uh, crack some skulls. So Toland and Ariana are warlocks. Yes. Eris and Sai are hunters. Vel is a titan. What is Omar? Yeah, I think I get Omar and Sai mixed up. Now I'm trying to find... And, like, I know we'll cover it later. If we you... get into it. I want to say... I don't actually know. I know that... I think there's only, there is only one titan. I think it is one titan, three hunters, and two warlocks. I actually don't think we ever get that last. Um, and, and that's kind of what I figured based off of Tolan saying, you know, you will get your fight, Titan. Yeah, I think he he's always kind of been talked about as the, the sole Titan. Because everyone has to have a, to- a Titan in the raid, man. Exactly. Especially for the Crota raid. You throw the bubble up at the last encounter when we're fighting Crota with the, and oh just, like, God, make craploads of orbs for everyone. Bubbles! All right, Goldfish, you have anything to add yet? No. Making sure you didn't have anything yet. Not yet. So yeah, you were right. Three hunters, two warlocks, and a titan. That sounds like the Destiny community. Lots of, always plenty of hunters. Right? <laughs> it's because everyone likes to knife people. And Celestial Nighthawk Golden Gun kind of just wrecks Crota. Yeah. They didn't know that, because, spoiler, they didn't quite get that far, but that's how I used to do it. Well, my fire team. I was the titan back then. That Goldfish read. was the hunter. Yeah, yeah. we didn't even talk about that. Goldfish is our, our resident hunter for the night. Always has been. As a new hunter, you know, I don't have that expertise. But Goldfish was the hunter. The hunter. Always in the Crota raid. <laughs> and, and funny note about that raid. Because of that raid, Bungie has a team named Velveeta. 
That's great. Specifically to look for cheeses and, and glitches and stuff. Yeah, I think I've talked about this in Freebus Hive, but there was a... So the mechanics of the raid, without getting into too many detail, is you basically have to make Crota kneel to damage him. <laughs> and he only kneels for a certain amount of time, so your damage phase doesn't last forever. However, people somehow discovered if you pulled your Ethernet cable out of the back, the back of your hardwired system while he was kneeling at the right time, you could have him kneel indefinitely, and you could just one-phase him without fighting back. So it was it's probably the worst like game-breaking cheese that Destiny's probably ever had. And so they made a full-on team just to go through, and they just recently talked about this, this team existing, that there's a team called Velveeta who goes through and looks for game cheese. Blades of Crota, flavor text. They are the heralds of our destroyer, ushers of this coming storm. Vel, they're more than knights. Ariana 3, they look like knights. Vel, that's like calling you a tin can. Ariana 3, excuse me? Vel, I'm saying calling them knights is an understatement. Omar, what are they then? Poland, world carvers. Omar, meaning Poland. Those swords are neither bone nor steel. There's a dark purpose to their edge. Ariana 3, darker than death? Poland, death is peace compared to the shadows. Omar, those blades cut down more guardians than I can count. Vel, hundreds. Ariana 3. Thousands. The Vanguard should have known better. Toland. I tried to warn them. Omar. But we're prepared. Vel. I am. Omar. Not exactly the question. Eris. I have a feeling the light won't be enough. Ariana 3. Then we'll take their swords from their ashes and cut them down. One by one, blade by blade. Eris, you would wield a weapon of the night? Ariana 3, for her, them, I will butcher any who stand in my way with even the darkest blade. Okay. Eris, pray it doesn't come to that. Though, <laughs> to cleave our enemies with their own tools of destruction, we should be so lucky. Omar, you've got a strange view on luck. Poland, when you've got your hand around the hilt and their ash under your boot, you might change your tune, Hunter. So the only thing I got from that, since I've done the raid a few times, is we actually got to use their swords to attack Crota. And I, and I got to use them in, I think, a couple other spots throughout the raid. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's just funny that that was their plan, as I already... You know, they might not get to do it, but we did. So it's kind of kind of cool foreshadowing. Is this like one of those things like where, um, oh, God, what is it on, I think it's on Mars, where the, where Anna Bray is stationed. The thing that you can just. Escalation protocol. Escalation protocol. You know how an escalation protocol, once you do a certain thing, like a sword drops. That's what that is a reference to. They brought the swords back in Destiny 2 from this raid. Or okay. this DLC. But it's kind of the same thing. Like when you hit a certain point, like the sword pops up and you can grab it and start killing them with it. Kind of. Yep. Yeah. Exactly yeah, that mechanic. It, it shows up a lot of... It is a big mechanic in the Crota raid when we actually do it. 
Um, the swords are like a large part. Um, people use them to cheese certain parts of the raid and all kinds of things because you can do unique things where you used to be able to with swords. Um, but yeah, no, the sword mechanic is something that came out with the Dark Below. All right, Goldfish, take us into the next card. All right, the next one is Eyes of Crota. The flavor text reads, The eyes watch us all, gathering our secrets in hopes of ending the light. Eris, something is watching us. I can feel it. Omar, I hate when you say that. Toland, Crota has many eyes. Every god does. Eris, we have to go. Omar, if they know our every move, what chance do we have? Toland, with their great age comes even greater wisdom. I have no doubt the hive led us here with intent. Omar, what are you saying? Toland, for these disciples, we offer the greatest sacrifice. Eris, what does that mean? Toland, do you feel your light fading? They are offering it to Crota. Us coming here, we are the ones waking him. Omar, he's mad. Tolan, perhaps. Eris, why do you hold these secrets like weapons to damn us all? Tolan, because they are weapons, and we are going to use them to show the hive they are not the only ones who breed fear. Eris, how? Tolan, your hunters, hunt. Find the eyes that are upon us. Omar, then? Tolan, we blind Crota and use what's left of your dying light to lead us to where these monsters seek to conjure their master. That's a creepy concept. Gods have many eyes to watch us. And, and we see that because they are getting closer and closer to Crota's, like that, that portal between our reality and Crota's throne world, that they're losing their light. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, they're reaching a darkness zone, basically. Yeah. Um, so that they realize that it's, you know, and that's the kind of concept we've talked about is, you know, where, you know, with light and dark, they are kind of opposites. So where one is more powerful, um, you know, maybe the light will be fading. This is just kind of commenting on how powerful Crota is when they go in there. They're like just, and you know, it's just funny because when we, when we did the books of sorrow, Crota gets made fun of so much. It's just the punk little like kid brother. And, like, your son that keeps messing everything up. But as far as for the Guardians, when they first met Crota, it was very powerful. Remember after that whole goofy bit of him mistakenly slicing the hole and letting all the Vex in? Oryx threw him through the gate and told him not to return until he had basically just, like, taken care of business. So he had just been fighting his way for, you know, who knows, centuries. So he was a very established, very powerful um, hive entity. Uh, ascendant hive at this point so um this is this crota is much different than the one that we talked about in uh, books of sorrow elements uh that that was exactly what i was going to say is the fact that the first time that guardians ever actually fought against crota he already had centuries upon centuries of experience killing so his you know his blade has been sharpened exactly they are on the moon we could, I would say, right? They're approaching the their location. Moon. Um, we will get into where they kind of start the raid, because uh, I think it's a little different than where we start that raid. Um, but yeah, they're somewhere on the moon now, working their way. So yeah, downtown. Exactly. Downtown. 
All right. I'll continue on with Omnigal, Will of Crota. Flavor text reads, that shriek, that wicked laugh. If you listen closely, you can hear power in its song. Eris, those screams. Omar, and I was just starting to tune them out. Toland, it has been told that with these screams, another spawn is awakened, birthed in the name of the god it holds. Sigh. Crota. Toland, I am afraid so. They call this one Omnigal, mother of the spawn. Sigh. How do you... I'd rather not know. Toland, commands, echoed through the dark, fetid caverns, orders carried out with grinding stone and squeaking claw, skittering thrall and blade against bone. Omar, well, now he's on a roll. Ariana 3, I hear them. Even when I don't, I will tear this Omnigal's throat out. Toland, if you were to do so, our work here would be done. Without a will to raise its army and herald its ascendance, there is no Crota to fear. At least here and now. Eris. Then we follow the screams. All right. So Omnigol is a very important character. Um, you might be familiar with Omnigol. I know at least three of us here are. Mrs. Hyven did not play D1. But Omnigol <laughs> was a strike boss from D1. Um, and she also played a couple other parts. And um, when we actually, once again, spoiler alert, not really spoiler alert, when we actually killed Crota, when he kind of, um, was when he come, did he come back? Is that when we did it? Or was it when we originally, I think I'm going crazy. When we killed the crystal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that before? That was before, right? I don't know why I'm thinking. I know Omnigo yeah. came back as like the reprised version of the strike. But that was supposed to be something different. Sorry. Yes. At some point in time after this fire team, Crota disappears and it has to be resummoned. And that is basically what um, Tolan is describing. Omnigul is truly the herald of Crota. Uh, Omnigul basically summons Crota out of the ascendant realm into uh, you know physical space. So this is why uh, they're mentioning that if they could kill Omnigul now, they wouldn't have to worry about Crota, uh, which is basically what our guardian. Um, tried to do in the Dark Below storyline. So he went back to the Ascendant Realm after this, and we kind of had to do the exact same thing. Um, unfortunately, same thing kind of happens for them. Seems they fail because Crota didn't die. Um, and we also killed Omnigold, but we still had to fight Crota. Goldfish, right. which yeah. Well, that scream she has is really, really annoying because you hear it <laughs> in the strike a few times, and I have to take my headset off like every single time because it's way too loud. Oh, dude, is that yeah, why they like, want to rip her throat out to make her stop screaming? Yeah, well, she, as we'll talk about, like, the Death Singers and stuff, their voice is actually a weapon. So, yeah, it's supposed to be crazy like that. And you definitely feel it when doing that strike. Mm-hmm, for sure. It's even worse when you're sitting there farming Omnigal. Because yeah, for that for the good there, old weapon. You sit there, you, you, you run into the final room, you hear her scream, kill her as quick as possible, and then reset it. And then you run back into the room, hear her scream, kill her, and then reset. Like, it's, it's, you hear the scream every single time you kill her. 
You know, the best bulging part. in Alamus's eyes right now as he's describing this is just like the insanity I feel. If you don't know, there was a great weapon we were all trying to farm from that strike when there was strike specific loot. And then the best part is when they patched it so you couldn't kill her in that first area. So you had to hear that scream, shoot her a little bit, and then move into the final actual boss room and listen to her scream some more. <laughs> Alamus looks like he's ready to kill somebody just like remembering this. Yeah, man. I was just gonna say, fun fact: the it's voice like of Eris, the voice of Eris, the voice actor, also did the screams for Omnigul. Stuff like that, that is a fun fact, honey. I good fun fact. So literally, Eris told us to go kill Eris. <laughs> uh, that's weird. We're breaking if we're breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that's actually it's uh, a good one. Good job. Yeah, and then the other. Point I want to make here is this is where we see that uh, Poland's already uh, a shady figure. Uh, the fact that when they're like, "What's that screen?" Oh, they call that one Omnigul, Mother of the Spawn, and Simoda's like, "How do you?" Yeah, I'd rather not know. And then he just goes on to this kind of disturbing sentence. So yeah, at this point they should have been like, "Tolan, how do you know so much about the Hive anyway?" Did anyone, like, check this guy, background check him before we, we all agreed Did to this? Did we double check the references on his resume? Did anyone call his references? Because Omnigul's apparently one of his references, and that seems kind of shady. Right, like, if I remember correctly, she was written down. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we should go. Yeah, so, you see, Tolan's got a wealth of information, and Is at this, this point he's helpful. Is this the raid but... that turned Tolan into a light? Thing. Yes, we're gonna get to that. Right. As we'll find out, Tolan had other motives in leading these people into this raid. No. Which no. is why he seems like such notes, an upstanding character. He, oh yeah. Which is why in the show notes I have him listed as a pretentious bleep hole. I like it. All right. I, I know. I know that you don't. You don't write things in your show notes without purpose. That's why I said it. <laughs> oh dear. All, All right. right. Are you guys Hun- ready to move? You're yep. next. All right. Our next card is Hand of Crota. The flavor text reads, It crawls from the shadows to claim our light in the name of Crota. Sigh. Can you track the others? Ariana. No. There's too much interference. The shroud is too thick here. Ghost. Hand of Crota. Flavor text. It crawls from the shadows to claim our light in the name of Crota. Sigh. Can you track the others? Ariana. No. There's too much interference. The shroud is too thick here. Ghost? Yes? Ariana. We in bad shape? Ghost. Could be better. Ariana. Any charge? Ghost. No. Something is siphoning the light. I'm getting weaker by the second. Ariana 3. And size ghost? Same? Ghost. Faint charge detected, but it's fading. Its shell is damaged beyond repair. No comms, no transmit. Even if there were a signal, Ariana 3, use whatever juice you've got and relay this transmission to the others. Ghost, they won't receive it. Ariana 3, not the point. This is Ariana 3 of the Praxic Warlocks, marked by the Cormant Seal. I am alongside the hunter, Sai Moda. Our light is nearly gone. 
The ash of untold hive covers the ground in our wake. Unknown. Inaudible scream. Sigh. Omnigul. Aaron a three. From what Toland has described, we are on the path of Crota's dreaded hand. Sigh. The hand is falling back towards the screams beyond these tunnels. Ariana 3. Screw it. You ready? Sigh. My knives are eager for another dance. Ariana 3. You speak little, Saimoda, but always say the right things. Told you those hunters are stabby stabby. Yeah, that's a subclass we don't have anymore. But back back in D1, the arc subclass was a knife well, super. We kind of do. It's just spectral blades. It's void now? now instead of arc. Yeah. Anything else, Mrs. Hyman? <laughs> um. Yes, I guess. Um. I don't know. I mean, why was the light having such an issue wherever they were? Um, Rhoda so, emits such a powerful dark aura that the light was was fading. Yeah. Like we we don't get a clear answer, but we know it's because Crota is powerful. Yeah. You know, as we kind of have now mentioned, like these this story was not presented to us in like a nice, pretty linear order. Order, right? You know, they were a bunch oh, of just little cars. So we kind of just got the story, but we didn't get like all the details. So early on in D one. We just knew that, like, darkness zones were a thing. We didn't really know why. And we kind of got a little bit more information about, like, maybe kind of oh, how so darkness... Oh, this is, like, the no-respawn zone kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, like, kind of to explain a game mechanic with lore. Basically, it was kind of just to... It's been determined that, you know, in... Well, actually, we just quoted it from the Ghost um, Stories quote, where that Future War Cult thinks that um, in order to res you, they look for an area, a timeline, yeah. where you're... Um, where you existed and you were successful, and as danger becomes more, those timelines become fewer and fewer. Well, in these zones, when you know you're surrounded by a hive god, um, the darkness yeah. is so strong that your chances of survival basically become weaker, and the darkness basically powers out the light. So it's not like they just lost their light in the same way Gaul came and um, you know Starfish the Traveler, but it's just they are kind of feeling that they're just surrounded. You can't use that as a verb. It's kind of what it is, right? I mean, it is. It it describes what (laughs) they did. It does. Well, that was just... Wasn't expecting it. Goldfish, you've been quiet. I mean, you are quiet. You're like, sigh. You don't say much. But when you do... I don't need to say much. Goldfish has just been here for this interesting ride of an episode. Not only was he the best oh man gosh. at our wedding, okay. he's also Let's my move. cousin. So, he's very used to my crazy. Unfortunately. Goldfish is one of my favorite people in the entire world, but he and I both joke on a regular basis that if we met today and were not family, like had not grown up together, we would not be friends. <laughs> because we are very different people. Yes, but do you have any thoughts about the card? Yeah. He's shaking his head no. I think we have oh, kind okay. of killed the whole feel. We apologize, guys. We we got Well, we can talk about the crazy inaudible scream. That's Omnigul. Remember we were just talking about that scream. I know, but it's still just kind of like I'm gonna yeah. need and, to hear this scream well, now. Since we actually didn't actually cover anything that was going on in the card now that I'm paying attention to what we're looking at, basically what's happening here is the fire team has been broken up. Nobody knows 
where each other are, whether they're alive or not. But we at least up. know that at this part point, Ariana 3 and Sai Mota are together. And they try to send out a message. It's not really working. And at some point, Ariana is just like, let's just do this. Leroy Jenkins. And <laughs> no, it's more of Ariana's like, all right, guys, are you ready for this? And Sai is more like Leroy Jenkins. And he just runs on in there. And that's basically how this card ends. Good old Sai. All right. I think that covers everything. Mrs. Hyven, are you ready to move on to the next card? I actually have a question relating to this card. Because yeah. they split up during this card, it, it makes me wonder, is there a point in the raid when you and your fire team split up? Mm. Like, cool, but no. No. Like, is there even a place in it where you could have feasibly split up and not seen the other people or known anything? So uh, the the we go ahead, Elmas. Uh, the lamps. Yeah, you could totally get lost and die. Um, yeah. It's like so the way that the the first encounter works is that you're as a team you're supposed to run from lamp to lamp to lamp up until the final area, and then you construct a bridge. Um, but the problem is, as you're running from lamp to lamp, you're getting a debuff that slows you down. So for the people at the back of the group who aren't keeping up with their teammates, they're slow as all get out. They're usually dead at that point. <laughs> That'd be me. Yeah, you can... Okay, but I guess that, that was just my question because it's like if we don't split up at any point during the raid, why that is a good day? That's a good question. And this is what I was going to comment on is so what we do for the raid is actually not the same path that they take. So... Uh, you have to think that nobody like, had really been from their path. Kind of, yeah. We learned a lot from their failings, but basically they um, kind of stumbled through. When you go into the moon, the moon has been. Remember, we talked about war moons um, in the books of sorrow. Basically, they turned it in, the moon into a war moon, so it is hollowed out. There's tons of caverns, tunnels. Um, when you go into the moon in D1, it's basically, and as you'll see in D2. It's basically just like catacombs. So, you know, they didn't know where they were going. They just knew that they were looking for Crota. Um, so the chances of them taking the same path of us are pretty slim. So they could have gotten overwhelmed by any number of enemies and ended up getting split down different paths. Yes, Ms. Ivan? Do we know why Eris is back on the moon? Like, why she found this thing that she found that we're going to be discovering in Shadowkeep. We do because, not. Like, why would part. she go back someplace that was basically like the worst thing we're, she's ever experienced? We'll get into that, actually. That's a little bit more of motive. We'll get into that next week. Yeah. Right. We're going to talk a little bit specifically about some of her motivations. Okay. All right. You I'm ready just to read trying to have pertinent questions. Yeah, no, for sure. Let's move right along to Might of Crota. Flavor text. It is a mountain of rage, summoned to leave only destruction in its path. Toland. When a god's will is met with force, its might will be unleashed in the form of those raging beasts we call the ogre. Monsters, bred of pain, tormented by the light. Nothing but hatred. For all who bring its suffering forth. Eris. And how do you know this? Toland. It was told to me. Eris. By the speaker? Toland. 
by the darkness itself. So my question is, how is Tolan here in the darkness? Right. Hey. Yeah. This goes into why in the world was he banished to start with? Um, they apparently didn't look into those reasons because, yeah, they grabbed a guy who's claiming to actually speak to the darkness. You know, if that was happening in, at this point, that's like someone Shin Malfoy would have gone around, like, taken out. This is like an early on, a shadow kind of going on here. Yeah, Tolan's is this crazy. Is like Warmind days? Like, what is the time period that this is set in? Uh, this is actually before Our Guardian. Yeah, well before. But, uh, sorry, before is Warmind, Warmind's not the right word. Um, Iron Lords. Is this Iron Lords day? This is after that. Because they're subclasses the now, you're right, right, right. Yeah. They this is, like, it. relatively our like time. early but city before... tower? No. It's before us, but not too but after long the city ago. But after the city was well-established. This is, like, I I think, like, a Van... I think it's, like, a Zavala, Ikora, um, Cade, Vanguard, still in existence kind of thing. Okay. So it's just kind of a little bit before we... We showed up. But yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say other than Tolan sounds pretty crazy already. Tolan hears the whispers. I love how Eris is like, you've learned this from the speaker, right? He's like, no. Like, please tell me there's a logical reason speaker for this. speaker knows nothing. I asked the darkness. It sounds like Oryx. I've spoken to the deep. The ironic yeah. thing here is that the way t- her and Tolan are interacting is the same way that we interact with Eris now. <laughs> like, how do you know this, Eris? Yeah, she just yeah. say some crazy things, man. You're a creepy mother trucker, aren't you? With your extra eyeball. We'll get into that eyeball. Well, we're going to get <laughs> into it, are we? Goldfish, you guys ready to move on? Can Goldfish read? Yeah. Right, I'll be covering the book Iriute the Death Singer. Iriana. Let's sing. Sing with me. No, no, you rattling machine. Not yet. It's too soon. We don't know the words. We'll learn the song down there. We can learn it from her. She comes up from the deep, dark places where the greater hive await to sing it to us. And here's a puzzle for you. The song is death. To hear it is to die. To know the words is mortal. Oh, good point, Ariana. Death is just a word, isn't it? A catch-all term for the failure to go on. Nothing spiritual, nothing with its own quiddity. We all died once, and it did not prove insurmountable. But what if, what if, what if, shh, listen. What if death were refied, described in its totality, made autonomous and universal, separate from any context or condition? What if she could invoke the ending of anything? How then... Would she know the song and sing it without herself dying? Perhaps they know a way to make themselves part of the song, part of something vast and burning that rots and peels into ash, but never ever ends. Perhaps she has engineered this for him and pinned his power up against the quiddity of death itself. I am so terribly curious to know. It's just creepy. This card is just creepy. Let's sing a song. Oh, you don't know the words. Well, it's about death. Who's yeah. This, who's this the speaker one... in this card? Who's saying this? Oh, so this is Tolan, basically at the end. 
Um, okay. It just didn't specify who was saying it. And it was yeah, all sir. kinds of creepy. So I was trying to figure out who the creepy mother trucker was. And I should have assumed Tolan. Yep, yep. Right. Um, but this actually shows his his motives for joining the fire team. Um, what, to learn the death song? Yep. Yeah. So what, he could wield it himself? We don't know why. All so, we know yeah. is he wanted to learn it. So this is an interesting one. This is kind of towards the... Um... You know, this is basically towards the end of their raid experience. Uh, you know, it hasn't gone well. At this point, it's just Tolan and Ariana left. And as you see, he refers to her as, like, a, what, a bab rattling machine. You know, in the middle of talking, he's kind of just like, oh, no, we don't know the words, or just quiet down over there. So you can imagine, you know, she is an exo. She is slightly robotic. I imagine at this point, some of her functions just are not all working. Ariana at this point is most practically she's dying. She's mostly dead. And basically what's happening is Toland, Toland as a raving lunatic is just dragging her along with him to go find the death singer. And as he says, his goal in this, he understands that it is that the death singer has the power to kill by its song alone. But he's curious because the death singer doesn't die. The other hive don't die. So he has, he asks himself, is there a way for them to put themselves into the song? And basically his way, his goal is to learn this song and basically gain uh, power from it. Um, what you got? If we're saying that in this moment, it's just Ariana and Toland, how did Eris survive? Or is this like when they're split up and they don't know where Eris is? Yeah. So, split up. As far so as like I, I said, yeah, these cards we didn't really we don't really receive them in any type of chronological order. Um, so you know we figure out kind of what happens to Eris at some point. But just imagine, as we said, a lot of people are split up. Um, as we continue on, some of the cards will talk about what happened to other people. Uh, but at this point, Ariana and Tolan are the, the the last two who are together. They've lost everyone. Ariana <laughs> has lost um, um, Sai, who she was with earlier. It's just her and Tolan. Oh. And Goldfish, you had a... For the Death Song, is that similar to the Death Singers? Yes. So the Raid, remember, she is the boss basically right before. So actually, so Aren't in the Crota Raid... Are the Death Singers? Yeah. Yes. So this is it's a reference a to... With her. Yeah, it's a class of Hive. So this is a reference to two different Raid encounters. So with Crota, remember we had a timer in the Crota Raid before we got to kill Crota? where we have to run in and take out a bunch of enemies. You have to cycle down in the room, and that's when you have to kill that witch before, basically, she sings her song. That's the Death Singer. So she killed them here, basically. They're, they're trying to find that song. But yes, we fight her. And then the other two Death Singers that we know of are Oryx's two daughters, or Crota's sister, who we fight in the Oryx raid. So yeah. But they're the ones who created, like, Death Singing. Um, as far as we know, they were. I would imagine they were the first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. They were because they came about kind of before Crota, and then eventually Crota got his own Death Singer. And I'm not sure if it's actually confer- confirmed or not, but I've always kind of to myself thought of Omni Ghoul as kind of having that ability too. That's what her screams and things are. I don't know if that's actually true, but we have recorded three Death Singers in the lore. I kind of took Omnigal's screams as like she's trying to become a death singer. 
Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's kind of what I, I always thought of her, like, yeah, in that classification, but she didn't quite have that power. Yeah. But I imagine the Death Singer song as just a lot of those screams in, quote-unquote, Hive song. <laughs> Enough to kill anyone. All right, we ready to move on to the next card? Yep, let's do it. I think, babe, you're next. Mm-hmm. All right, I am reading Ghost Fragment, The Hellmouth 2. Flavor text. For way. I am sorry. My ghost's light is so dim, there's no point following me farther into this fog. Any hope of raising me died halfway through the stills. I only hope she's got strength enough to take this ember to where you fell, to dance one more with any last whisper of your own light left on this cursed, broken rock. Again, I will confess. I am Ariana 3 of the Praxic Fire. And I know my flame goes out down here. I will burn bright and hot and raise a thousand hive to ash as I go. But I know we will not end him. The one who fell you, and hundreds more, with that foul blade. I now beg, as I feared, for your forgiveness. I will not avenge you, but join you amongst the fires snuffed out upon this moon. I was a fool to lead us here. I was blinded by the loss of so much, by your light extinguished. I put my trust in the light of four others in a madman, and I bear witness to their fall into darkness and death. Poland's song was nothing but screams, and we go now to sing with them. We will not return. I only hope now that my foolish charge will serve as a record of warning, so that no other guardians Go to face this monster and those that serve him. And those beasts beyond imagining that he must serve in the realm I now go forth to die in. That this tiny bit of light, joined with yours, and sighs, Vel, and poor Omar's, that it might spark a torch of warning to leave this dead and broken moon as Crota's prize. Let the titans on their walls and towers look up at night to this glowing reminder in the sky that your light fell below the surface. Let the moonlight fall on hunters' eyes through the canopies of the wild and guide the way of warlocks searching their hidden path. At night, let them look up and see, and let us be mourned. At night, let them remember you, and let the light of the day free them from the curse of this memory. Who's speaking real quick? Ariana. She starts with, I am Ariana 3. (laughs) Oh, well, I don't know why I thought I had like a deja vu moment because that's how she starts another card too. Mm-hmm. Like I uh-huh. said, we might these might well, not like, all be chronological, but there are a lot of her. But this is towards the end. Well, actually, she no, started I mean, she at the does beginning. Say, again, with, I confess. Like yeah, she started at the beginning. Right. Remember, with I this that. is what I'm we're gonna do, and now this yeah. is this is me at the end realizing that what I did was yeah, yeah, yeah. dumb. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So that okay. this is like her conclusion kind of thing. Yeah, my bad. My bad, I'll miss and, you guys. And, you go. I'm gonna and shut up. <laughs> because she's, so she's an EXO. Um, and because she's an EXO, I kind of took this as she's creating some kind of log or record in her head, you know, on her internal hard drive. Yeah, and, I thought that or that basically giving her last like words to her ghost. Can we find messages from ghosts? That kind of thing. And because it was a ghost fragment that we found. Yeah, and because she's fragment, the Hellmouth too. 
I, I like that. I can agree yeah, cause, with that. Yeah, because right, right there, basically, I got that from... Well, of course, your point that this is a ghost fragment is kind of the best point. But that she says, this tiny bit of light joined with yours. So it's kind of like her ghost, her last little bit, was supposed to take this message and its light and just try to get it to basically where everyone else fell before it was lost. And I don't actually remember where we find this ghost fragment in-game, but it's, I bet you it's probably somewhere down there in the depths of the moon. Yeah. Goldfish, you got anything? Uh, like We can see that she definitely regretted the decision she made by putting her trust in Toland in the light of the, the four other guardians that were lost that she saw die. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad, though. To like, like, imagine if I, I put my trust in some crazy person and then, like, I had you, Elemist, and a couple other people in my fire team, and I just, like, lost everybody. And I was slowly dying at the same time. Yeah. You don't want me in your fire team? JK, I don't do raids. <laughs> well, you know, but that's, that is kind of the sad part, too, because that's what she she kind of admits was not only does she feel bad that they failed and that she got everyone killed, she realizes that she literally put all of their lives in the hands of a madman and that she was blinded by loss and vengeance so much that she let a raving lunatic who had been exiled from the city lead them into uncharted territory to hunt down a hive god who had just killed hundreds of guardians with just six of them. Yeah, this is when she realized she really messed up. And I will be covering Heart of Crota. Flavor text reads, It's not the first, and surely is not the last. But until the last heart stops, their hate will spread endlessly across the black. Eris, record this. The Heart of Crota. It is her blood that feeds their fury. I thought Omar dead until I heard his screams. I followed them down to the darkest night of the caverns below. What I saw, I witnessed all we fear, the villainy of the hive on full display. Among a sea of cocoons and surrounded by thousands more freshly spawned hordes, the heart held Omar's broken body in a vice of bone and pain. She was peeling the light from his body. How? I can't imagine. And I have tried. Tendrils of luminance tore away like flesh. With every strand, Omar's scream cut the dark and was met with a chittering chorus from the unborn. I can't say if they were feeding off the light itself or the pain, but my guess is both. Somehow, both. The heart, though I can't believe she actually has one, seemed to be conducting some nightmare orchestra, nurturing Crota's children with the echoes of Aga's light. The hive must end for all they had done. And someday, by my hand or another's, the heart will meet with an end fitting of the pain she herself has dealt. Man, I felt sorry for Omar going through all that stuff. He got right jacked up like tendrils like i had to look it up just to figure out what the word, that word meant it's a slender thread like appendage 
of a climbing plant are often growing in a spiral form that stretches out and twines around any suitable support but like just getting tortured like that like i can only Im- imagine the pain yeah it's basically like his skin was ripped off in strips yeah I mean, it's just like light, a piece of that's... celery you know kind of how it like peels uh, in those yeah. little like yep. fibrous manners that's what yep. it makes me think of yeah yeah and this is why some people say that this was semi done as like payment for that wizard that was killed because you know they were torturing i've heard people's theories that you know that ariana was torturing that a uh, wizard in like a similar way kind of like basically they were they were frying her but basically it was kind of like i've heard people make the connection that this is like it seems unnecessary but the hive are kind of dark anyway right i mean and I've, but you know to be honest it could have nothing to do with that it sounds like they're just like Here's a guardian. Here's a lot of light. Let's just keep him alive and just feed his skin to the children. And we could just keep feeding the children until he dies. Really grotesque. That was yeah. well, like that was how I think, how I looked at it. Yeah, you that's know? kind of what well, I hey, got you. Mean it. Here's a buffet. Let's feed the kids. Oh my gosh, right? And yeah, and you know, I also envision this because um, I think this is actually after the fire team has failed. Um, you know, we talked about obviously, Eris survives. Um, cause you know, she talks about how at first she thought Omar was already dead. So this for me is like, this is Eris, you know, she's lost after everyone's been lost in there. She's just wandering around in the moon and all of a sudden she's like, holy crap, Omar's still alive. And then she witnesses this. And that kind of just helps put in perspective why, why she's like so screwed up. She was trapped in the moon with stuff like this happen. Who knows how many different things like this she had seen in the period of time she was trapped down there, you know? Yeah. And that is why we give Eris a lot of grief, but uh, she's had... Who knows what she's seen, dude? It's been crazy. I'm sure it was crazy. Well, and, like, she's a survivor of something that horrific. Right? Because, yeah, it doesn't say... It says she, she watched this happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty rough. Well, anything else you guys got for that? No, just it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. And then so before we move into the next card, we don't know what happened to uh we're just gonna comment on what happened to some of the other members of the fire team. So we have Ariana. Well, it sounded like she was already mostly dead by the time Tolan took her to the Death Singer song, but her and Tolan died there. Okay, but like Tolan's a ball. So when did that we'll, happen? We'll, we'll get into that. He died. He did die. But he didn't okay. completely. Um, so we now have Omar being tortured to death. Uh, as far as Sai Moda, um, she, if we accidentally called her a he earlier, uh, Sai Moda was a female hunter. Uh, she was ultimately killed by Omnigal. However, she went out pretty awesome. Um, we have Acolyte Rung tells us that Moda was so close, drawing her way out with, clawing her way out with bones torn from the Acolytes. Her fall, Omnigal, you honor her, Eris. So uh, there might be another card out there, but it, I think it, I do believe it talks about her casting her super, her old, um, oh my gosh, why can't I remember what it's called? I keep forgetting. Not Spectral Blades. Blade Dance. Blade Dance. 
Uh, I do believe there is somewhere where it talks about she ca- she was going she was blade dancing, and eventually she, her knives were just lost. She literally ripped bones out of acolyte and continued on up until she was finally killed by Omnigul. So that's a, like a true warrior's death there. And then someone who not quite as maybe honorable uh, was our poor boy Bell Tarlo, and uh, we get the information. Um, from Eris as a warning about Thrall. She says that Thrall will smother your light. Do not underestimate them as Tarlo did. Um, and then also on the Darkblade helm, after we kill the Darkblade, we received this uh, this helm with the, the, the word, the flavor text, Alakul, the Darkblade, is, is laid low. And thus, Beltarlo is avenged. So once again, might be somewhere in another card, but basically Veltarlo got bum-rushed by a bunch of Thrall. And as Thrall do, they distract you, and then that knight walks up and hits you with their cleaver. So, poor Veltarlo underestimated the power of Thrall as a good distraction that got him killed by the Darkblade. And I think that covers really the fire team. They all went out pretty bad. We got crushed. We got skinned alive. Yeah. Got, having to listen to a death song, I don't even want to know what that was like. That's got to be bad. And then we don't exactly know what happened to, with Omnigal, but you can imagine it was a, an exhaustive fight, fighting until you have to use bones as knives. So pretty crazy. And at this point, Eris is the only one who survived, and she's had to deal with all this like horrible stuff, watching her fire team just die. So m- definitely a rough time. And I think that kind of leads us into, yeah, our last two cards that kind of just sum up the final, the end of this story. Um, so, Mrs. Hyman, I do believe it's your turn to read. Yep. I will be reading Ghost Fragment, The Hellmouth. Flavor text, I am dead. Val is spectacularly dead. Omar and Sai are quite dead, too. Ariana, poor Ariana. She was so bright at the end, wasn't she? A brave light? But Crota was unmoved. That shadow is detached from its source. Light makes it darker. I could feel his presence, and if I still had a ghost, I'm sure it would have screamed. I, too, am detached from my source. The charming ur made her introductions, and I was very pleased to meet her. We had a conversation, a little tatayut, a couple old wizards exchanging definitions. I defined myself a friend. She defined for me the quiddity of death, and she sang the song of that fearful autonomy. Revelation, my friends, it does go down hard. The definition killed me. The killing redefined me. This is the shape and the point of the tooth. Nothing has ever lived that will not die. Now I fly between green black suns in the labyrinth beyond Crota's god star. This is the overworld. The sea of screams. Where the throne universes of his great high fester and eternal majesty. I move among them. 
I map the shapes and connections of this world. I want to appear in the tower and taunt them. Low, low, I never sleep. I dance in light and shadow. I never sleep. I will never die. I will never die. I want to ask them. If you followed your laws here, to this trembling, fearful place, of what use were those laws? But I have work to do. I shout into deep places, Osiris, I call. Osiris, Osiris, can you hear me? Sometimes I think he answers. Sometimes I wonder what became of Eris. She was very tenacious. For the first time, I am lonely. So who is talking here? I think it's Toland, this right? This is Toland, yes. Okay. Yep, Toland. Because he's talking about how he's a ball now. Also, real quick, I know I think Hyven has a comment, but just real quick. What we discussed in the Marasena was that Toland was the one who helped guide and direct us to killing Oryx in the the fight to help Mara in the throne world, right? What was accepted, but I, I made that comment that could it have been that Mara. That it could have been Mara. Well, if it was Toland, does anybody else find it trippy that, like, Crota and his hive team are the ones that turned him into this little nothing ball that does really nothing. And he was like, well, I see you and I raise you one. I'm going to go help kill your father. And that's why I I like to argue that it was actually Mara because Tolan's an opportunist. This didn't really work out for him. And once Oryx is dead, he's basically like, hey, take up the mantle. Oh, you're not. Maybe I will. But I always kind of thought that like, yeah, Tolan's, just kind of a seeker of knowledge. He didn't quite have a plan. But yeah, if it was Tolan, it is kind of ironic that, once again, Crota, his to- Oryx is undoing. Right. <laughs> Always, man. Uh, did I you have anything... Have kids. kids destroy you. <laughs> did you have anything else, Goldfish, now that you know? No, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Um, I was just going to comment on um oh so for for me this has always been i think other people said at air for we have the description of what happened to everyone um ariana and we know that she gives her last speech and then um she's taken by Toland to see the death song however i've always looked at those words she was so very bright at the end wasn't she and remember she is a praxic warlock to me this was old school d1 status Status, you know, she was beaten, destroyed. This is a self-res, go full out, final stand uh, before she finally died. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but so bright at the very end for me is maybe a play on using the last bit of her life, or also shining brightly because she is a, um, I guess sun it was singer. A sun singer. I I took it as she was a sun singer, but I can see the argument against it that you know she was using the last of her light to just do an all-out assault at the very end yeah yeah either way that was just kind of my thought though she was like sun singer she was getting that all the power she had left and that's how she went out yeah um and then yeah so this is kind of what we what happens here is 
as you meant, you were asking earlier, Mrs. Hyvin, is basically Poland knew what was going to happen. He was crazy enough that he wanted to hear this song and die because he thought that just maybe he could get some understanding in order to continue on. So we don't know if he made preparation. He clearly would have had to make some preparations um, because remember the, the hive are paracausal. They can make you just cease to exist the same way the Gorgons kill in the original Vault of Glass. They can just rewrite you from history so that you never existed. Uh, but clearly he didn't completely die. He died, as he says, he lost his body. Um, he is now living, as it said, he was living in the, he originally was in Crota's overworld, Sea of Screams. Um, and basically, remember, we talked about everything in the Ascendant Realm is kind of tied together. So he went from kind of Crota's throne room and eventually somehow wandered his way into possibly Oryx's. Uh, but now we see him like all over the place. So whether or not he was always that ball, all we know is he lost his. He lost his physical body. You know, he doesn't have a ghost. That was technically his last death. But somehow he was able to transcend life as we know it. And he is somehow existing in this universe. We do know he's stuck there, though. Can't get out. Um, he even goes as far as saying that he eventually starts getting lonely. He's calling for Osiris. And he would be doing that just because, well, Osiris was also banished for looking into Hive and Vex. So they might have had crossed paths at, you know, having similar research at some point. Although Osiris, at some point, I think, do believe, calls Tolan still crazy. He's even too crazy for Osiris. So. Um, there was something that you said that, that I, I latched onto. Um, the fact that the the throne worlds are all connected, and that would it would make sense that we saw Toland, like that it would be Toland on the Dreadnought. Because... As the Books of Sorrow told us, the Dreadnought is Oryx's throne, mm-hmm. brought into our realm of existence. Um, and it also makes sense why Tolan was yelling at us for having slain the, the Taken King and not taking up the throne. Yeah, yeah no, that's definitely that's a good point. My only argument against that was why Tolan could have got there. He would have had to do it at a certain point, because remember Oryx says... That basically, remember the sisters are able to go into each other's throne world and just keep killing each other? Remember Oryx decides that he wants to section off his throne world, and that is when he puts it into the ship so that it can be somehow broken off from his sisters, at least, throne world. Granted, we don't know if that completely is a completely separate. He's really fa- sectioned himself off the Ascendant um, plane. But for me, that's why I almost was kind of like, remember Mars talks about how she was going to sneak in to the vault kind of thing that she could have still got in in there, whereas maybe Tolan couldn't. Um, I really don't know. I don't know if it's confirmed either way. I think everyone kind of agrees that it's Tolan, just based off of him like, I guided you here, and you didn't take up the, the mantle. What is wrong with you kind of thing? But Yeah. Well, that and the fact that he reprised in The Dreaming City as the exact thing that we saw in the Dreadnought. Yeah. Whereas it wasn't... Laura, reprised as her full-bodied self. Yeah. Remember, it just Because it wasn't a coincidence that we killed Oryx, because remember, Mara planned with Osiris and Eris uh, for us to go in there, and Eris is the one who sent us in there, and then it might have just been a coincidence that Tolan was also like, let me help you kind of thing. So I think I could totally see that. Yeah. That's all I got for that. You guys have anything else, Ms. Hyven, a goldfish? Anything further, Elamist? Nope. 
I'm just ready to uh, round out the, the night. Mm-hmm. Same here. All right, Goldfish, take us home. All right. Cloak of the Great Hunt. Flavor text is, I wish to be renowned. Lower tab, the great disaster. Years after the hunt, they are dead. Waning, Ariana 3, Tolan, Saimoda, Omar, Beltarlo. Guardians live lives of loss. Everything around us inevitably turns to dust. When we come together, it's to war. Against enemies of humanity, against each other. One of our few comforts is the knowledge that our peers will be there tomorrow. For good or ill, my fire team has been robbed of that. I am lost in these lunar tunnels, out of ammo, short on light. I am out of moves, save one. I clutch an Ahamkara bone in one hand and my dead ghost in the other. I hear a whisper. My vision is gone. My face itches from the vicious flow from my eyes. Though I can't see, I find that I suddenly know the way out. This is exactly how Eris got three acolyte eyes. And so I have a question. I don't know why I never paid attention to this. I never paid attention to the fact that she had an Ahamkara bone. That explains why she was able to survive. Um, My question is, how long has she had this? Because remember, she paired up with Akora for the Great Hunt. And because remember, she was getting little whispers and she wanted to know about her past. I think we read that in, I don't remember which book. We read that in one of the books. And so... I, I don't remember either. But to me, it was like she's been holding this thing this whole time, which is very interesting. And then also, you know, everyone's always said that she disguised herself with those eyes in order to stay alive. Like, it, yeah, like she transplanted them herself. Do you think that she wished and those eyes came about? That's what I think. That's my interpretation, too. Yeah. Because, um, like, it was... Because, like, no, it ahead. literally says, I hear a whisper, my vision is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it was like. She's got her, she's, she pulls this thing out, she knows it's bad news, but she's, she's got nothing else. As it says, she's out of ammo, she's got, she, she's short of light, and with her ghost dead, she has to do something, and that's when she hears a wish, a whisper, or for me, it's that's when she makes the wish. And at that moment, she loses her eyes, gains Hive eyes and is able to somehow use a mixture of those and somehow she knows the way out. So the next question then would be, Ahamkara have strings attached. What do you think that leads to? Could that be a little bit of what's going on with Shadowkeep? This see, is her. See, is it, I, those I could took, be the strings. See, I took it as she wished to find her way out. Mm-hmm. She yeah, that's to what get I thought home. too. Same, same. And the negative consequences was she lost her vision. She gained the hive eyes. That could be it. You're, yeah, that's true. they're just flowing. And I want to know how she's actually ever, like, I've never seen her wipe her eyes. Because that cloak ain't doing it, man. That stuff runs down her face. She's like that snotty-nosed kid. Someone, she must have, like, a, I don't know, like a bib or something. Because I've just never seen her wipe those eyes. Well, like, would it <laughs> Maybe that's why all of her clothes... If- it never well, stops. Like, right, That's why like, she wears sackcloth, because her clothes can't stay very nice. They just get stained all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of our setup for Shadow Keep in a way. That is the story of Eris and what happened to her. 
to get her from the a normal guardian to what we see now. She lost her fire team. She lost her ghost. And it sounds like she used an Ahamkara bone to get out. And she's stuck with those eyes. Um, but that's why she has a lot of hive knowledge. And that's why she's so linked to the hive. Because of all this craziness that happened to her. The hive are like a big thing for her. Along with we have her little tricks of to- teleporting us out of like Crota's funeral and stuff like that. That yeah. little bit is... um. She says she learned from Tolan, so she's learned some stuff by working with Tolan, even if it was a short run, um, and she's been there for a lot of the Hive craziness. So that is kind of our little bit of an introduction, and I do believe next week we get into Eris in a little bit more detail, just kind of some of the stuff she's been through and some of her relationships. Yep. Uh, we'll be covering Eris after the disaster. All right. Well, does anyone else have anything else to add? I don't. No. Well... Elemist, why don't you start with our shout-outs? Shout-out to Goldfish for for bearing with us because this episode was kind of a little bit of a mess because um, it's literally just me doing show notes and this one wasn't as linear as a lore book or anything. So it was me reading it and rereading it and rereading it again, trying to figure it out. <laughs> I think that's going to be it. Oh, shout out to Focus Fire Chat, because we are going to be doing another episode with them sometime in October, and, like, they reached out to us about joining the Lord Network, so, like, very exciting stuff, or at least to me. (laughs) Oh, for all of us, it was pretty cool to get the invite. Elemis got the invite, and then when I got an invite to the Discord server that we... All we're able to get on there, it's just really, really cool to like get into a group and see all of the various members of the lore community and be like, this is really, really cool to be actually like, not that, I mean, not that you can't, I wouldn't say that anyone invested in the lore is not part of the community, but to be like, wow, I'm, people might actually think that I'm like a quote unquote content creator, that like I'm a, I'm a, a lore master. Like people start throwing around those terms for some of the people, you know, in the, the lore network. So it's a crazy feeling because I, I, I know I'm speak for myself at least. I am not the kind of person who would call myself a master or a, any type of real content creator. So it's definitely an honor and a privilege. I would call myself a content creator because I'm the one who like gets the show notes and the the editing and. <laughs> not that we don't create content, but I guess it's just for me. But... It's like not on par, but I guess we're pretty good. Well, Apparently. and. Well, and like it Some was funny because like. it, it was funny because I was uh, making the comment to my clan about you know how we joined and I'm looking at the roster and my name is Bife, my Ellen Games. What? Yeah, pretty cool. And then I I made the comment to Mrs. Hyven like, when are they gonna realize they let the commoners mm-hmm. in? <laughs> I liked that comment. That's what it feels like. All right, uh, I guess for my shoutouts. Kind of already took care of that one for the the lore network. Uh, of course, shout out to Goldfish for joining us. Like we said, hopefully we didn't scare you away. He enjoys listening to the episodes. You might think differently now that he has to experience a crazy one, but uh, hopefully he'll come back when we do a, one of maybe one of the new lore books uh, after Shadowkeep. You'll have some well, okay, maybe not well structured, but a little bit more of a structured episode. Maybe you can try to fit in uh, better. Um, and then, of course, to Elemist for 
always helping out with all this stuff. Um, well, even well, mostly just doing it all. The show notes. Yeah. Like we said, maybe we, we were a little rough this episode just because this was early on D1 lore. you got to, like, look. Some of this stuff is in, like, in-game transcripts, like, audio files, flavor text on armor. There was no, like, basis. Like, we've done books sometimes, and then we'll throw in an armor set that came out with that DLC. This was really, really early on, and Elemis did a great job. Um, I apologize for not helping out more. And for if I if I gave you a hard time being nitpicky about order or throwing pieces in there, we definitely appreciate. And we're gonna go over our next couple shows. So appreciate oh, it, man. Perfectly fine. Perfectly Much love fine. to Elemis here for sure. And then of course to our listeners for sticking with us. And we always get positive feedback. You know, I hear a lot of people talk about how um, uh, send your your content creators or you know the, your YouTubers or your your people on Twitch, anyone, send them some good messages because they don't always get that. I've I've been waiting for the the hate and the negative right? comments, and we haven't got that. So I really really appreciate you guys. Um, you guys have stuck with us through the early episodes, so I'm sure this won't be any crazier for you guys. This so you thank you guys so much for always uh, listening and. Um, being positive, because I think I think honestly, I think the lore community has taken like a turn for the better. Um, just lore's been plentiful, and there's just not a lot of negativity, short of some of the people who can sometimes be, uh, I don't know, you know, sexist, elitist, that kind of stuff. That still happens, but those aren't that close knit community that we really know. So yeah, and that's it for me, Ms. Ivan. Um, I guess I kind of just want to reiterate some of those to Elemis for all of his hard work. I hope you don't ever feel taken for granted because we truly love and appreciate all you do. Um, for Goldfish, for being a man of few words and coming on here and sticking it out with us and all of our craziness tonight. We promise to have you on again where it's uh, much more put together. Much more put together. Um yeah, like I said earlier, you're one of my favorite people in the whole hide world. So the whole like, hive world? Oh God. Uh, mm-hmm. The whole <laughs> whole wide and the hive world. Um, but um, <laughs> you know, so I enjoyed having you on here tonight. I hope you enjoyed being here. But yeah, I don't know if you have. It's just a normal out. day for him. <laughs> right, because he's so used to us. But I don't know if you have any shout-outs. Uh, my shout-outs go to the hosts of Guardians of Lore, Elemist, Hyven, and Mrs. Mm-hmm. Hyven, and to Ishtar Collective for having all the information so Elemist could put it all together. Like I know <laughs> this Oh my god, I totally forgot that. <laughs> Someone always get it. Goldfish knows your shout-outs. Yeah, so I, I got your back. But I appreciate it. Uh, much thanks to Elemist. I know like the whole thing was like all over the place, but it was all <laughs> close together. It didn't scare me away at all. Like, I'm using every day. Yeah. I think we hope to get into a little bit more, like, talk of, like, the raid, but with so much information and just... Sometimes we try to pack so much into the episode, you know, with listener Q&A and stuff. So hopefully it was still a, a good rounded episode for you. Yeah. I've never listened back and been like, oh, this is awful, but I might be biased. <laughs> just a little just bit. Just a bit. Uh, and with that being said, Goldfish, where can we find you? Uh... I'm on Twitter at, at GFD Sith and Xbox GFD Sith. 
That's yeah. the only place I'm really at, really. He's usually in my fire team. Yeah. Well, Mark I say usually. But by myself. Yeah, usually he's by himself running around and just in a party. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com or leave us a review wherever you find this podcast. Yep. And let's just round it out. Have a good night. Yeah, with that, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Night, everyone. Bye. Poland. Those swords. Did you say swords? <laughs> I did. She did. <laughs> Those swords. <laughs> what? I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> I said it so naturally. Like, that's just how you say that word. Right? Like, that. That just rolled off your tongue, and you thought about it after the fact. <laughs> I was like, hold up a second. <laughs> That's because right after it says bone and steel, she was like, them Schwartz aren't bone or steel. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm having a really hard time breathing all of a sudden. Just one second. Let me catch my breath. I notice you're pausing a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coughing up. You okay? <laughs> it's just because of these coughs. And then all that laughter, I couldn't catch my breath after it. Okay, I'm good. Just breathe. Just remember, there's a tip. You can still breathe while you read. (laughs) What? No. Just hold my breath for the whole card. (laughs) Yeah, I did the whole Marimbrium in one breath, guys. I mean, Marasena, sorry. Oh, my God. It's like the one breath. Yeah, I was about to say, like, Marimbrium. Okay. (laughs) Not, 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 Not that impressive. (laughs) okay that is impressive you okay over there i think someone had a little too much caffeine and sugar and feel good stuff today and everything is itchy i just um couldn't hop out of frame and take off my sports bra real quick it's just like rubbing against my whole body and it's itching i think i'll be okay (laughs) <laughs> Maybe because you're wearing that old jacket that's been in storage. Probably some dust and stuff this on it. This job shirt is amazing. Don't I didn't say it was amazing. It might have just needed to be washed before, you know? It could have, like, storage dust and stuff. No. It smells like a basement. It smells like, it smells like a storage bin and yeah. basement. And, and just... you guys understand what I'm saying? She pulled that out of a storage box in a basement and instantly put it on. And now okay, her skin's itchy. It's itchy. so old. Just saying. It's my mom's. It's so old. It's a Scott on it. My mom's been married to my stepdad for almost 22 years. Yeah. Anyway, go get naked. We'll okay. see you in just a moment. Okay. I didn't know how to respond to any of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are you ready? Comfortable again? Oh, there. Just flinging your undergarments all over the place. Look, I can start juggling with hive and socks, y'all. I mean, not juggling anyway. with throwing up with hands. We've been waiting for like, Why are we throwing those? You are the host, remember? We're ready, to, so we've been waiting for you. We are ready oh, to move on to our next card. I've been struggling. I also can't breathe out of my nose. I think that's why I'm struggling to read.
because normally I breathe in through my nose and breathe out as I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Then don't read if you don't if you don't feel like you can. Well, take your reading. It's okay. Solution here is to stop breathing. Right? <laughs> Solution is to just die. Obviously. That's what Hyvin always says when he's sick. All right. Pausing again. Move forward. I don't know why you wrote that like that. Because it was easier than writing GFTs. Not really. G, F, D, and S are all right next to each other on the yes, keyboard. Yes, not something I write often. Now <laughs> oh, I'm hot. Ding, ding, okay. ding, ding. Half the word's done. Well, you're eating, drinking a pumpkin spice latte. I hope you're not eating it. It'd be weird if you chewed that. Fashionalism. Right. All right, great. She's at 25%. Yes, all right. Mrs. Ivan. Oh, Mrs. Ivan? <laughs> yes. So going back on my cheese comment, the internet doesn't give a 100% clear definition, but it appears to be that it actually kind of comes from the definition of cheese and or cheesy and a kind of cheese-like, stale, fake cheese or cheesy in the sense of um, when applied to something like a book or a movie means some combination of predictable, trite, manipulative, or intellectually lazy. So think of your typical romantic comedy, just not a lot of, like, skill to it. Um, And that, that seems about accurate. So it didn't really necessarily spawn from one, like, moment of pop culture in game, like, thought, but just overall uh, a way of people kind of, instead of using cheap tactic or cheating, somehow it slowly twisted until it became cheese. So there you go. good. I'm just kind of, like, I'm just laughing to myself. Because, like, you just described that as if this was, like, your in-depth description of a, like, Grimmar card. <laughs> like, either me or Elvis would go off on, like, a card. And you were just like, guys, I've researched, I've studied. Here are there the facts. There have been um, yeah. all kinds of censuses and reporting done. I got you. Let me explain. Multiple cheese. Reddit streams have been read. <laughs> There's a Reddit there post go. for cheese. Yeah. Very there nice. you go. I will continue onward with Omnigal, Will of Crota. I thought you said Omnihole. I thought we were back there. <laughs> All right, 25%. Stay in your corner. It's the Omnihole. Look, that's the thing, okay? This is Hyven. Can I help you? I would just like to point out... You were out waving very violently. ...that even if it had been a D2 strike boss, I still wouldn't be familiar with it. Because I'm not familiar with any strike bosses. Boom. Appreciate that. Wealth of information. <laughs> it's, it's just important facts, man. I just want to make sure that everything you're saying is as accurate as possible. Because that's what we're about here. <laughs> Professionalism and accuracy. Yeah, you're killing me right now. Oh, my goodness. I swear, one of these weeks, we will get an episode where she's not half asleep by the third card. <laughs> Seventh card, dude. And we're like halfway there. Living on a prayer. Amen. So, does anyone have any thoughts on Omnigool? I know a great journey or this to cover card? band. Book them now. Thank me later. Hey, 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 hey. What I have to do? Nope. Skipped right over work. Kind of huh? wish we all could. Right. 